This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 140 of the On The Banks Podcast. I'm your host and managing editor, Aaron Brightman. And we have another Final Four podcast preview. We had women's soccer back in the fall and happy to have now men's lacrosse headed to its first ever Final Four, first ever championship weekend in program history with a historic win over number three pin last weekend. Rutgers trailed eight to six with less than 10 minutes to play and produced its biggest run in program history. Five consecutive goals to take the lead and end up winning 11-9 to over a Penn team that had won seven games in a row, was arguably the hottest team in the country aside from Maryland. Rutgers just seized the moment after a year in which they took number one North Carolina uh, to overtime on the same field, fell just short with a sudden death uh, loss a year ago, came back, saw their season on the line, and came through in a huge way. I can't say enough about the Rutgers' defense. Colin Curse had 18 saves. And then just contributions from so many different players in this game. Obviously, Shane Knobloch, you know, such a valuable player for this team at a hat trick. Mitch Bartolo, the Penn transfer, former captain for the Quakers, had two goals and an assist. Both of them scored in that five-goal run, Knobloch having two, Bartolo having a goal and an assist um, during that key stretch of the game. And now we set a couple days out from the semifinal round. Rutgers will play at noon on Saturday. May 28th uh, in Rentschler Field in East Hartford, Connecticut. Game will air live on ESPN2. I'll include the ticket link in the posting of this podcast. Uh, if you haven't already purchased tickets and are looking to go, huge opportunity against number seven, Cornell. The number two seed in the bracket, Georgetown, was upset in the first round of Delaware. Cornell uh, handily beat Ohio State in the first round, 15-8. to eight. And then they, uh, last week, overcame Delaware 10-8. to eight and now face Rutgers. A lot of common opponents these two teams have faced. Ivy versus Big Ten. On the other side of the bracket, you have Princeton and Maryland, the only two teams that Rutgers has lost to all season, coincidentally enough. And this Cornell team beat Princeton um, on April 30th, uh, beat them 18-15 to 15 at Princeton. So certainly not going to be easy. This is going to be a very challenging game. Uh, Cornell is a uh, very fast-paced attacking style, you know, score a lot. And uh, three primary goal scorers, including C.J. Kirst, the brother of uh, Rutgers goalkeeper Colin Kirst. A lot of storylines to discuss. And to do that, we welcome back for the third consecutive week, Rutgers men's lacrosse head coach Brian Brecht. And also first team All-American long stick midfielder Ethan Roth. It's my pleasure to welcome back for the third week in a row to the On the Banks podcast, Rutgers men's lacrosse head coach Brian Brecht. Rutgers headed to the championship weekend final four for the first time in program history. Congrats coach. And thanks for being back. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate you having me. Wanted to first just touch on the game last Saturday, uh, facing number three, Penn trailing eight to six, uh, under 10 minutes to play, obviously having the experience of the year before against North Carolina, number one seed losing in overtime. The season's on the line. I thought you called a, a, a strategic, a great uh, timeout. Right in that time frame, was there anything specific you said to the team? Was it uh, more of just needing to reset as a team? And and what was just, in your estimation, led to that uh, really epic comeback, five straight goals? 
No, I thought our guys prepared well all week. I thought they uh, uh, they were ready to go. And, um, uh, you know, obviously Penn's a great team, you know, Ivy League champs. And, uh, you know, um, you know, it was a great 60-minute battle. Uh, you know, at that particular moment, uh, you know, we had a lot of time left, 10 minutes on the clock. We had a great defensive stance. So, um, you know, we had a, a couple of good stops, a couple of great saves. Um, you know, a few rebounds that gave them the ball again. But, uh, uh, but you know, we had a great defensive stop. And, um, you know, plenty of time on the clock just needed to, you know, just have a good offensive series. So two goals, um, you know, that's a, that's, that's a not very many in, uh, in our sport with the, with the way things can happen uh, in the blink of an eye. So uh, we just need uh, you know, a chance for our offense to get on the field, have a good look and uh, give our defense a little bit of a break after the great stop they made. One thing that stuck out in the win was just, you know, role players stepping up in big moments. Um, you know, having Dante Coolis score his first goal in over two months. Cole Daniger, career high, three assists. You had Bryant Boswell with that basically game-clenching uh, goal off the turnover. How important was it for this team to really have so many different contributors? You know, the week before, Ross Scott scores eight goals. Obviously, Shane Knobloch came through with three, but really did uh, seem like so many contributors in this victory. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think uh, a lot of the credit goes to the the guys. You know, uh, we practice. Uh, I feel very good about how we practice and how Coach Sarah made Coach Ryan develop our players. So I think it just showed a little bit of our depth. Um, you know, late in the season with all our practices, all the reps and drills uh, to be able to have guys, uh, you know, Dante, someone that has shown uh, that he can certainly play at this level uh, and, uh, you know, had an injury that maybe sidelined him for a good portion of the season, but he's healthy and back. And, um, you know, he's he's been in the game plan for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, the rope unit, we have a lot of confidence in, you know, we certainly uh Asked them to get stops, number one, clear the ball first time, number two. Uh, but, you know, we, we have a lot of, uh, you know, trust that they'll make good decisions in the transition, the early offense game. And, you know, uh, you know Cole uh, was doing something he doesn't practice every day, you know, running the field and, um, you know, playing well with the, with the attackmen in the transition game. Ethan Rowe, uh, Lonsec midfielder, All-American. The job that he did on uh, Hanley, holding him scoreless, the All-American for Penn. But also just his importance, he, he scored a goal in the second quarter, uh, a rarity for him. But just how important is he to, to really both both ends of the field defensively, getting the transition offense going and uh, just comment on the job he did on Saturday specifically? Yeah, Ethan's been an impact player from day one. Uh, you know, he certainly, uh, you know, is very versatile and we ask him to wear a lot of hats uh, first and foremost on the defensive end. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's great on ground balls. He's great. Uh, on the wings of face-offs for, uh, for our face-off guys. Um, you know, he does have a, a very good stick in the middle of the field and, and has a motor uh, that can uh, not only, you know, get up and, uh, and play someone and, uh, and defend, but also run the field in transition. So, you know, he's a, a big part of the defensive unit. He's a big part of the transition in a NASCAR unit. And, um, you know, uh, we, like I said, we ask him to do an awful lot. And, uh, you know, he, he uh, had a big task and responsibility, um, you know, uh, on, on Saturday. And, uh, you know, we ask him to, you know, have a big role every weekend. So, uh, so very happy uh, that he's, uh, you know, a scarlet night and, uh, and playing at the level he's playing for us. Colin Kirst, it just seems like the bigger the moment, the better he plays, you know, 12 second half saves that finished. He said, I think averages 17 and a half, 18 saves and four NCAA tournament games now over two years. What is it about him that he's able to elevate his game in the biggest moments? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, first and foremost, I mean, he is uh, the consummate, uh, you know, you know, focused and disciplined, and and, and obviously, uh, uh, you know, he is uh, very even keeled. Uh, you know, in everything he does year round, fall, early season, you know, mid season, but uh, but there's no doubt. Um, you know, he was hot last year in the playoffs, and uh, and he's continued that. You know, so uh, he certainly, uh, you know, has uh, played his best lacrosse uh, in the month of May for the Scarlet Knights. And, uh, you know, we, we need that performance again this weekend. Um, you know, he's a, you know, big catalyst of, uh, of our transition in our, on our uh, NASCAR, you know, uh, defense to offense. And, uh, you know, when you're not getting uh, all the face-off reps, you know, his uh, 17, 18 saves respectively uh, certainly helps the offense get going, um, you know, running from one end to the other. And I know you've been asked about it a million times already this week, so I'm not going to ask specifically about the matchup with uh, Colin and his brother CJ at Cornell. What I wanted to ask you was, have you talked to Mrs. Kirst about her emotions? Everything? I know she drove out to Ohio uh, right after your, your win on Saturday. You obviously having, you know, uh, Connor last year, what their father meant to the program. Just what's your relationship like with her and, and, and what is she feeling going into this game? Yeah, no, just uh... – uh, you know, small you know conversation after the Harvard and then the, and the uh, and the Penn wins uh, more you know just excitement uh, you know happy you know for Colin and um, and just uh, uh, excitement for this time of year. So uh, uh, you know she's certainly been a, a great mother and uh, you know certainly is uh, you know spread pretty thin with all the boys and uh, and then being there to support all of them. So uh, you know. The nice thing is that, uh, you know, they'll be on the same field. So uh, the tough thing is that they'll be on, you know, different sides of the ball and different colored jerseys. So, uh, but certainly uh, all in all, uh, probably, uh, you know, when you look back at things 10, 15, 20 years from now, there'll be some great memories being made. Facing Cornell, both teams have, have played a lot of the same opponents. Um, I think seven like-for-like -like opponents. you played a lot of Ivy teams. They've played some Big Ten teams. Is there anything you could take away from that, or is it really just about style? Obviously, they're more of an attacking team. Yeah, I know you've touched on before, Big Ten's really prepared you for different styles. Um, what, what's kind of the key for you in terms of going into this matchup? Yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost, and, and we've had this approach, you know, uh, you know, ever since I've been at Rutgers, and certainly this year we talk about it, you know, just to remind the guys, it's about us. You know, we have to offensively, defensively, our, our players individually, you know, we need to play to our strengths. We need to understand, you know, what systems and what things we're doing and the techniques that we need to, you know, to, to, you know, to do to have success on game day. So we're certainly aware of our opponent. Cornell's, uh, you know, extremely talented team. They have a prolific attack. Um, and they have a, a lot of they have a lot of fifth years and, uh, and grad students uh, just like us. So they have a lot of experience you know, on their team, you know, from uh, from the defensive end to the offensive end. So, um, you know, we're going to have to be prepared. Uh, we'll have to be uh, laser focused for the 60 minutes. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, all our training, all our drill work, the preparation, you know, Coach Ceramic, Coach Dolan, Coach um, Ryan have been able to provide our guys uh, in the heat of the moment. It'll be like the back of their hand and routine for them. And, um, you know, we just got to play Rutgers lacrosse for 60 minutes. Obviously honoring Tom Hayes this year with wearing his name on the back of the jerseys. You know, I know you're a Long Island guy. I, I know you knew Richie Moran as well uh, with Cornell, the longtime legendary coach there. How poetic or, I don't know, is it almost like cosmic? You know, you guys now meeting in the Final Four having both of those legends being honored this year uh, with their recent passings. Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, those were two big iconic names uh, in the game of lacrosse, you know, uh, 
Um, you know, you know, Coach Moran at Cornell for all those years, and you know, Coach Hayes here at Rutgers. Uh, the success that they've had um, on the national level and uh, and what they've done for their programs. Uh, and, and, and during the same era, you know, both, uh, you know, really grew to the game, you know, uh, you know, as far as camps and the, the development to youth and high school players. And uh, it's, uh, uh, it, you know, you talk about storylines and, you know, having, uh, you know, Colin and CJ playing against each other. And then, you know, unfortunately, with the passing of Coach Hayes and Coach Moran in the, in the same spring season and uh, our programs, uh, you know, matching up in the final four, it's, it certainly makes for, some uh, some nice storylines uh, for fans of lacrosse, for for the alumni of both schools and the letter winners that have played for two you know iconic uh, you know coaches in our game. What has the reception been like uh, from the alumni uh, fans? But uh, specifically, I know how hard you work to keep all the alumni connected. How has that been outpouring of of just support from them? Obviously, all season and throughout your tenure, but specifically this weekend, you know the excitement level and just how satisfying that's been to see them. So, so involved and happy with what's the success you're having. You know, obviously uh, hosting a first round NCAA tournament game, having 5,000 plus, you know, Rutgers fans and alumni on campus was great. And they, and they certainly traveled last week over to Long Island. So uh, uh, they were in the parking lots early. Uh, we heard them early and often, you know, through the pregame and, uh, and the 60 minutes. So uh, and, and, and great for our players to be able to celebrate a big win on the road in that, in that fashion uh, with all the you know, family, friends, but also the young alumni and old alumni that, uh, you know, were on Long Island that weekend. And, uh, and, and no doubt uh, from everything I've been told and hearing and, and talking with, uh, they're going to travel well to uh, Hartford, Connecticut. So we're, we're looking forward to having a, a great turnout uh, with all the Rutgers fans and, and alumni uh, in Connecticut this weekend. Last one for you, Coach. I, I, I guess I know the key is for you guys to play your game, but I, I, going into this win or lose, I, what, what's been your biggest takeaway or what do you think will be your biggest memory from this group particularly and, and just this season and last season in terms of the strides you've been able to make as a program? You know, it's funny. Uh, every once in a while, uh, I'll start thinking about, you know, the season, but I think it'll hit a little bit more uh, this summer and uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, but right now, you know, the staff, the players, they're focused on Cornell. Uh, but, you know, if you, if you take a step back and you, and you look at a little snapshot, you know, this 2022 season, uh, the the players in the locker room right now, you know, they've they've done a lot of firsts for for Rutgers as far as the number of wins in a season. You know, uh, making the first Final Four, uh, they're they're they they should be proud of their accomplishments to date. Uh, but they they know that uh, there's a lot more left to be done. Uh, I'm I'm just uh, happy to spend a few more days with them, practicing, watching films, preparing. They they do such a great job. They're very professional. They care so much about one another and making sure that they're you know uh, they understand their job and their role so they can execute on game day and. Uh, it'll be fun on Saturday, you know, watching them play and uh, and um, you know, you know, get after a, a talented team in front of a a great crowd, uh, you know, on championship uh, weekend. Rutgers men's lacrosse coach Brian Brecht. We're probably one week away from this being officially your podcast and me being your co-host. So hopefully we can do it one more time. But uh, best of luck this weekend. Congratulations on all your success, and uh, obviously you have the whole fan base behind you. Well, I appreciate Aaron. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate the offers to come back and keep coming on. So uh, if you're offering uh, an opportunity to come back next week, I'll, I'll sign up for it right now. Thanks so much to Coach Brian Brecht for joining us once again. It's been a pleasure to talk to him throughout this run. 
We also spoke to him in the preseason and really just, um, you know, an appreciation for the job he's done, uh, really just persistence and the steadiness. Uh, he's uh, led the program forward. Um, and I've, you know, learned even more this week in talking to former players and his high school coach, who's also a, a Rutgers legend in his own right, which will be coming in a story out um, late this week that I'm excited to put out uh, just about the job that he's done, the culture he's created, the connections he's made between alumni and current players. Um, certainly uh, an appreciation for Coach Brecht and the job he's done. And to now talk more about uh, last week, preview the game ahead and talk about the, the mindset of this team. We now welcome in Ethan Rawl. It's now my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, two-time All-American long stick midfielder for Rutgers, men's lacrosse, Ethan Rawl. Ethan, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Love, uh, love to talk to you guys. Congratulations. Get into the program's first ever Final Four. Wanted to ask about last week. With that win over Penn, uh, trailing 8-6 midway through the fourth quarter, having been there the year before uh, with the overtime loss to North Carolina, what was the mindset of the team like in that situation and the belief that you could still pull it out? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was obviously tough. Like a lot of guys who remember from last year probably popped into their head, but we've done a lot of training before. We, we know to uh, push the bad thoughts to the uh, to the back of the mind and bring the positive and uh, look for the next the next big play we always say you just want to make the next big play and I think we, uh, the team really knew and like believed in each other that we, if we just kept uh, making stops on defense getting the ball back to our offense that uh, they were going to keep putting the ball in the back of the net we're going to be able to come back and uh, win face-offs in the fourth quarter and, and that, that's what we did and uh, that belief that uh, the team aspect the culture really uh, kicked in in the fourth quarter and that's uh, what I think brought us to win. And in terms of the dynamic of the team obviously you lost um, you know some key offensive guys last year with Harlan Bides and Mullins and Curse, but and you added uh, you know some transfers into the mix but the core of the team has really been the defense in the midfield the last few years what has that team chemistry been like and I think one thing that kind of sticks out is you know in the day and age of the transfer portal no one no one left everyone stayed uh, was there a little bit of like unfinished business and just you know wanting to take that next step together. Yeah, definitely. I'd say, uh, I mean, we, we brought it up throughout the week. Obviously, it was definitely in the minds of some guys that uh, we've had a little bit of a sour taste in our mouth at that field. And uh, even the new guys that came in, they, they know that what happened last year, obviously. And uh, although they weren't a part of it, they want to win just as bad as uh, last year's guys did and kind of just continuing to move forward. So uh, being like as a defense with having that close-knit group of a, like kind of a lot of returners, bringing in a few new guys, but a pretty core group, like you said, uh, we all knew that like our job had to be to just continue to get stops at the end of the game just one play one possession at a time and uh we kind of battened down in that fourth quarter and really made sure that uh we weren't going to allow uh, another another uh, loss at that field and uh, that's kind of what happened it was, it was great and just in terms of you know your career and, and your classmates you know coming to the program you know having those close calls 16 17 and 18 having winning records not making the NCAA tournament in 19 you know you had ranked number one um had a little bit of a downturn at the end of the year then you had COVID. Everything you guys have been through as a group, how has that helped you persevere and and be able to elevate um, the status of the program now at the end of your careers? Yeah, I mean, it's been awesome. I credit to a lot of the guys who were older than me when I was a freshman and sophomore. They uh, they helped kind of set the foundation for, for what we are today as a, as a program and as a group. And and even this year, we've had a lot of different games with a, a lot of different outcomes. We've had games where we've been behind and we've been able to come back in the fourth. We've had games where we've been up in the fourth and we've kind of let the team come back and then we had to pull away again. And we've, uh, it's, it's, we've had a lot of different things. And Coach Brecht has uh, done a great job harping on that and saying that we're ready for any situation that comes to us. And 
uh, that's kind of what happened again in, uh, in the fourth quarter. We, we were down two, and we kind of knew that we'd been there before. And if we just continued to, to play Rutgers across style and hit singles, that uh, it was gonna it was gonna come out all right, and we're gonna win. Now your role is obviously pivotal on, on really both ends of the, of the the field, and um, I guess how have you embraced your role? You know, you uh, you t- typically you know take on one of the best players on the other team, and then you have to play a key role in getting the transition offense going. How have you embraced that responsibility? And and I guess h- how much uh, do you enjoy having that that much? Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy it a lot. I mean, I kind of knew coming in here, Coach Breck, when I was getting recruited in high school, he said that's like the style that we play at. And that's kind of what I've always done growing up too. I like to be able to push the ball on the offensive end a little bit. And I also like take pride in making sure that I win my matchup defensively and help the team defense as well with communication aspect and uh, everything like that. But uh, it's it's been, a, it's been a, a lot of fun. I, I've enjoyed it every second of it. And the NASCAR offense is a really fun offense to play in when, uh, you're, when you're getting to start it from the defense defensive end like me and all the get the D middies we have a lot of trust in each other and they know that they can feed me on the crease and I'll be going to be able to finish it because we, we do drills in practice that uh that replicate that and and vice versa if I was going to throw it into the crease for an offensive uh for a defensive midfielder on the offensive end I trust them fully that they're going to be able to catch the ball and finish so it's been a it's been a great kind of uh balance between when to push it and then kind of when to sit back on defense and we've gone through all those different situations uh at practice and uh, in many different games as well and you're a long island guy how did it feel to score a goal you know in in the game on saturday and and doing it in long island on that same field that you talked about you know losing there the year before and and being able to to contribute it was your second goal of the season obviously um you know not typically uh your role but to be able to come up in a big spot and get a big goal for, for the team yeah, it was it was awesome. I, I'd be lying if I say it wasn't a little bit special to score on that field for sure. I mean, uh, <laughs> I played a few games in high school on that field and getting to come back to the island and uh, kind of have a lot of family and friends at that game. And the atmosphere was crazy. It was packed. We had a lot of Rutgers fans there, a lot of support, which was great. But uh, being able uh, for Cole to be able to toss that to me uh, on the crease and me to be able to finish that, it was uh, a lot of emotions there and uh, kind of growing up sometimes and coming to those games when I was a kid watching the quarterfinals being played there, just saying like, wow, like that's something that I really want. That's a goal of mine. That's a dream of mine. I want to be able to play on that field when I'm in college at the quarterfinals and then to score on top of it, it was uh, it was a pretty awesome feeling to, uh, to get that goal to, to help my team get the win. So obviously, you know, you've always had a big role. Shane Knobloch had a hat trick. Ross Scott's been so important. But I thought what stuck out, too, about Saturday's win was, you know, uh, Cole Daniger, three assists, career high. Uh, Cool is the freshman coming up with a big goal. Boswell getting that goal at the end to kind of ice it. How important is that for the team to have role players be able to have moments like that, too, along the way? Yeah, it's it's awesome when we're uh, when we're able to get extra contributions from uh, players that maybe don't uh, get as many goals and as many assists as, as they usually normally do in a game. It uh it just adds to the uh, to the to, to the greatness of the team. Honestly, like it doesn't it takes some of the weight off of some of the offensive guys' shoulders when we're able to get a few goals in transition. And I think that's another reason why we we like to push the ball a lot. It it helps that it keeps the pace of play going up and uh, it gives us looks that a lot of teams might not be used to seeing when some defenders and stuff will come down and shoot the ball. Like not a lot of teams get to do it as much as uh, we do. So it uh, it gets to take the weight off the shoulders of maybe Ross or uh, or Shane or, or Mitch or Ronan or any of those guys on the offensive end from like we saw in the first round, Ross had, had eight goals. He, he doesn't have to have eight goals. You know, we can we can have a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of camaraderie and I guess uh, adversity, uh, not adversity. Uh, we, uh, everyone can get to score a little bit and it can help them out more. They don't have to feel like they have the entire weight of scoring as many goals as they need to uh, to on them when we can help out. 
Alan Kirst just continues to step up in, in postseason play. How much confidence does he give this team when he's uh, performing at that level and always seems to kind of raise his game when the stakes are the highest? Yeah, I mean, the, the kid's amazing. I, he's the best goalie in the country. He's probably the best goalie I've ever played with. He uh, He's just, he's an animal out there. He's so locked in. He, he communicates more than people even realize, too. He helps us get to our spots. He tells us when to slide. And uh, he's the backbone of the defense. And uh, we know that we can give up some shots on the outside. And he's going to be able to eat them up. And he's also going to be able to steal a few inside as well. That's just how how good he is and he elevates his game he takes shots after practice every day he's got a lot of offensive guys shooting on him he he's a he's a professional he he kind of makes sure he he knows he goes through his routine every week to make him as uh as ready as possible for for game day and uh, all the credit to him he, he's, he's a great player and uh we, we love having him as our goalie we, i love it obviously a big matchup this weekend is against his brother you had to, you dealt he dealt with that last year as well you know, I mean, is there anything that you talk to him about or is he kind of business as usual in terms of that type of matchup? Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty much business as usual, I'd say. Uh, we don't try to, try to uh, play into all that kind of stuff. It's great for the game, obviously, to, to see uh, to two brothers playing against each other. We saw it last year. It, it is really cool for him. I'm, I'm excited for him to get out there and play against his brother. But uh, again, it's, it's business as usual for him. He's Right now, his brother's number 15 on Cornell. It's not as much as uh, playing into the game of it, so to say. They're, they're, he's a great player. and We're going to have to be prepared for, for what he's going to get uh, put out there against us. But I don't think Colin's looking into it too much. He's kind of going about his business as he usually does, as, as well as the rest of the defense. We're, we're excited to play against him. We're excited to play against the entire Cornell offense. They're, they're a great group, and uh, it's, it's going to be a great game. Just in terms of style, you know, Penn obviously is more midfield oriented. Um, you know, you really kind of limited Sam Hanley, the All-American last game, holding them scoreless. Now you go against a team that's more attack oriented. How does that kind of affect your game plan or your strategy going in and kind of the key for this team to be able to, to be successful in this matchup? Yeah, we, we just got to play uh, Rutgers across on defense. That's what we got to do. We got we to gotta win your matchup out there. You got to we gotta slide. We got to recover. We got to rotate. We got to communicate out there. It's uh, it's obviously a different group of guys. They, like you said, they're uh, more attack-oriented than midfield, but the offensive uh, middies for Cornell, they're great players too, and we got to make sure that we're ready to slide to them. We're ready to support our short sticks, ready to support support our poles when we have to, but kind of know that we got to go into that trying to, trying to win our matchup. And we've played a lot of games this year where we've had a lot of different teams that have that are strength that are strong in a lot of different positions. So we've played other teams that are like this. We've played teams like Penn and we're, uh, we think that we've, we've had the, uh, the training that we've needed to have throughout the season to bring us to this moment. And uh, we're going to play it like we usually do play Rutgers defense. And a couple more for you, just in terms of head coach, Brian Brecht, you know, what's kind of his message been throughout not only this season, but your whole career and kind of has it wavered at all. And, and I guess it's more of been like a steady hand approach with him and you know what you're going to get from him and, and kind of how he's led this program forward. Yeah, definitely. I'd say it's a steady hand. We, we kind of a boring answer, but it's, it's Rutgers across. We got to worry about us. We can't be worried about too much about what's going on in the media or outside or none of that stuff. That's just all noise. And we just got to worry about our locker room and worry about our team and playing Rutgers across. We scout the other team. We know what we got to do going into the game, but it's all about us. We got to make sure we take care of the ball. We got to clear the ball correctly. We got to slide. We got to recover. Often just got to move the ball. We got to do the cuts that they need to do. And uh, we just got to play Rutgers across. He, he continues to harp on that and uh we we know every day of practice we go out there we work on ourselves getting better and not just uh preparing for the other team and last question for you i know you're you're obviously in approaching the biggest game of your life but just in perspective wise you know outreach from the alumni 
um, the response from, you know, Rutgers uh, fans and, and students and just how has this whole experience been for you and your, your teammates in terms of, you know, really being able to appreciate the moment and, you know, the fact that you guys have worked so hard to get to this point. Yeah, I mean, it's all credit to a lot of the fans. It's It's been incredible. I mean, I, there's nowhere else I'd rather play than Rutgers. It's, uh, it's been a tremendous experience from freshman all the way till now. And there's been a, a lot of different experiences throughout throughout my time. And this is obviously the, the farthest we've gotten. And I'm looking forward to this game. But you always got to kind of reflect and just remember the times in the fall when it was when it was a hard workout with the guys and now and you're running up and down you're running sprints you're pushing sleds and it's definitely tough but that's what gets you to where we are today and uh, as much as I love being able to to practice like this week and it's a special feeling like practice just being out there with the guys no matter the week no matter when it is that's kind of what we've been constantly saying just uh, one more win not not to go to the next round but just to get another week with your best friends it's just been it's been an awesome feeling it's a family it's a great culture here and the alumni support has been incredible like the, the fans at on Long Island was was awesome. It was it's so loud. They they, they come out for us. They sell out for us. And uh, even even at Yersac uh, two weeks ago was was absolutely wild to be able to like kind of switch gears from usually playing in a stadium to get over to a new stadium, get everyone there, pack it out. It's it's been incredible. And I don't I don't know why anyone anywhere else uh, would want to play anywhere else but here. It's been awesome. All American Ethan Rowe. Congratulations on all your success and best of luck this weekend. We'll be rooting for you. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much to Coach Brecht and Ethan Rawl for joining us. Final four weekend, championship weekend for Rutgers men's lacrosse. A historic opportunity, one game away from making the national title game. It should be a tremendous game against Cordell. Again, Saturday, May 28th at noon, airing live on ESPN2. Tickets are available in East Hartford. Uh, I know Rutgers is going to have a strong turnout. Credit to Rutgers fans for stealing the show, I think, um, at the regional uh, last weekend at Hofstra. There was even an independent lacrosse writer that tweeted out that the Rutgers fan base was by far uh, showed the, the best support, strongest support uh, at that game or at that weekend. Uh, two sets of games with Princeton beating Yale and Rutgers obviously beating Penn. So been a historic season so far. More history to be made. Uh, this group of players has really just done an amazing job this past year under the coaching staff. And I'm really, really excited for, for Saturday and uh, for all of our coverage at On the Banks. Just check us out at onthebanks.com. Our uh, beat writer, John Catapano, has done a great job with previews and recaps, and his preview is already up. And uh, as I mentioned, we'll have more coverage in addition to this podcast coming out. Thanks so much for listening once again here at On The Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.